live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast. Better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more. You are tuned in to the entertainment edition of the ODPH, and we definitely want to interact with you. So make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on our social media accounts. They're all right there. Check out Parley Points, new comics blogs out this week. Check out the directory where you can find the podcast on your favorite podcast platform, the classifieds, the T Public Store, where there's a sale going on this week, and so much more. It is always at odphpodcast.com. And always remember to use the hashtag odphpod on social media. So, Pad, let us talk about the biggest story, I guess we can say. Like, I'm trying to find a good way to describe this. It's the biggest thing going on, I'd say. I would say it's the biggest thing, but for a lot of various reasons. Yeah. And that is Marvel Studios came back to the big screen. Yes. With probably its most... Ambitious. Thank you. That's the word I'm looking for project to date and that is the eternals the jack kirby created group of half humans half aliens mixed with powers and pour it out and this is what you get made its way to the big screen we've had a lot of hype behind this and you've got box office numbers yeah so it was uh domestically it was the number one box office film over the weekend grossing 71 million two hundred ninety seven thousand two hundred nineteen dollars Excuse me, uh, blowing its competition out of the water, uh, beating Dune by almost 10 times its number. Dune was number two with just uh, just about $7.8 million. No Time to Die was number three. Venom, Venom Let There Be Carnage, number four. And then number five was Ron's Gone Wrong. Uh, for its overall numbers, currently as we record uh, domestically, it has made just over $80.8 million. Internationally, it has made just over $90.1 million for a worldwide gross of... million. So it's definitely doing some bank at the box office. I would say so, and that's only in five days. But it's the first week, and we have to stress that. because is true. I think the biggest takeaway from this segment is going to be what happens at the box office next week. Mm -hmm. Because as we have talked with fans at OD Parlay Hour on Twitter and on our social media accounts, there is a lot of different reactions to this film. Well, yeah, and there is in the box office numbers. I'm already I'm looking at like the day by day breakdown, and obviously they go down as the day as the days go on. But there's this weird. It did 4.2 million on Monday the eighth, Tuesday the ninth. It did this weird upswing where it made a million dollars more than the day before. And the other thing we got to keep in mind too is uh, there's an extra day off for kids this week here in the United States because it's Veterans Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see what it does. Yeah, it's definitely going to be very interesting because, like I say, this movie has become very polarizing amongst fans. Yeah, and with a star-studded cast that they have for this, Richard Madison or mm-hmm. Madden mm-hmm. is playing Icarus. Yep, Gemma Chan is playing Cersei. Angelina Jolie is playing Athena. Salma Hayek is playing Ajax. Kit Harrington is playing Dane Whitman. 
who is going to have a bigger role in this as we get into the segment. Brian Tyree Henry played Fastos. Lauren Ridolph has played Mechery. Mm-hmm. And this cast is extremely star-studded. Yeah. To really sell the point of the Inhumans. Almost about uh, Kamal Ninjani mm-hmm. as Kingo. Yeah, so you've also got Barry uh, Kogan. Apologies if I butchered the last name as Druig. Yeah, this cast is so stacked. Lyle McHugh as, as Sprite. Uh, we can keep going on and on, yeah. but I think you're getting the point of how star-studded this cast is to really sell this to the movie audience. Bill Skarsgård's in this movie, and he's like 12-plus people down on the cast list. Yeah, this is absolutely crazy to see. And this movie was directed by Chloe Zhao. So let us not waste any more time. We are going to be breaking down our review of Eternals. We give you fair warning now. We do talk spoilers. So after the countdown, if you haven't seen Eternals yet and you want to pause the podcast, come back in after you've watched it, we give you fair warning. Because after we get done counting down, we get really deep diving into this movie. So that being said, in three Two, one, pad. What did you think? I thought it was okay. Uh, I know the crew we went with was a lot of the guys from Three Fat Nerds. You know, Sean Carr uh, was there along with Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling. You know, the dog showed up. Dog came out for this one. Dostra Dogmas came out for this one. So we had a pretty decent crew. I thought it was okay. It wasn't the greatest thing I've ever seen. I know Diesel, who went with us, you know, from Three Fat Nerds, absolutely fucking hated it. Like, was naming every every god-awful superhero movie and then saying it was better than this movie, which I, you know, don't agree with. You know, was it perfect? No. Was it a, you know, grand slam smash hit out of the park? Oh, my God, I got to go see it nine more times? No. But I still enjoyed it, and it was okay. First and foremost, you should be listening to the Three Fat Nerds podcast. Regardless, that should be a must-listen to in your podcast rotation. But especially if you want to hear one of the most epic breakdowns of this movie by one big natty cool, you got to download this week's podcast and definitely check it out and let them know what you thought about this movie. But as for my opinion of this film, I thought it was better than... It was going to be. And you already had very low expectations. And my bar was extremely low because I have never been a fan of them in the comics. Even though the great Jack Kirby created them. Sure. They have never connected with me on any kind of level. Because, like I say, if created by the Celestials as protectors of the Earth, asterisk, half human, half hybrid, half mortal. Like, however yeah, yeah, you want yeah. to define their makeup. Because even as trying to make it as basic as they can be, it's still not connecting of, like, why these individuals stand out. Mm -hmm. And to see how much this has been driven down the fans' throats, this reminds me a lot of how Inhumans was getting sold when X-Men was put on ice by Marvel for reasons. (laughs) And we were getting a lot more of Inhumans projects, and they weren't really taking the ball and running with it. Sure. The vibe was still here with Inhumans the same way. Like, I really have never been excited about the project, but I went in with an open mind. So, that, like I said, that being said, I thought the movie was better than I thought it was going to be. Sure. However, I really was not a fan of this film. Mm-hmm. And the more I start breaking it down, the more I just have gotten such a bad opinion about it Mm -hmm. because where we jump in with this film 
uh, we get a Star Wars like, you know, minus the fanfare and the music and everything, but we still get a Star Wars like opening crawl, basically setting the scene for, you know, who the Celestials are, who the Eternals are, just kind of like a, because let's be honest, uh, not a lot of folks are huge Eternals fans, you know, myself included. I have no idea who the fuck they are, at least before this movie. Uh, so it was a nice little intro to get, although I got to admit, there was a lot of information in there and it was a little confusing. It definitely was. It This was not a great introduction for pop culture fans to this franchise, in my opinion. Sure. I thought they were trying to cram a lot into that scroll. Yeah. They, that, they tried to Star Wars it, but where Star Wars, you know, if you think back to the initial Star Wars film, you know, they kept it kind of basic. You know, you've got the good guys, you've got the bad guys, they're fighting each other, fighting each other. you know, they got these secret plans, and we're going to go. You know, it, it kept it kind of down to basics where it's like, okay, we've got this group, we've got this group, here's their motivation, here's that motivation, here's this, here's that. I'm like, too much, too much, too much. Yeah, it's just overdoing it. And I don't know that's Chloe Zhao's vision of this, but it just didn't resonate. Like, you really have to explain who these characters are. Because as we say, after the scroll is down, we see them on a ship and they're getting awoken. And we see them now come to Earth. And it's kind of that weird moment where they're pairing Icarus and Cersei together yeah. and they're teasing the love affair. Yeah. And it's kind of just this, in my opinion, it was, it was like a little awkward. Like, okay, like, what are we doing here? Because they acted like they knew each other, but didn't. Yeah. And that was kind of the weird vibe. It's like, I understand that you guys are supposed to be created. And like I say, for me, I always just look at them like they're half human, half alien. Yeah. I mean, we were kind of coming in already partway in or a little bit into the story for these characters, you know, and they already knew each other. They're going, going on. But I feel like, okay, I understand they couldn't have done like a full, like, we're meeting for the first time. And then this and then that just because of how goddamn old they are. Exactly. So when we get them onto Earth, they make their appearance in 5000 BC. Yep. And they immediately come in to fight the aliens, who we know are deviants, which are attacking a town. Mm-hmm. And we see the first action sequence of one Icarus, yep. who is using his laser beams from his eyes. The man's Superman without a cape. Exactly. Which I understand they do in the comics. So, like I said, I wasn't that mad about it. Mostly like Superman's abilities and powers not exactly original. No, it, de- it definitely wasn't. But as we see, we see a great fight sequence with Richard yeah. Madden. Oh, no, and like it was I said, great. Yeah, the action in this, when we had it, was was decent. I will say that's one upside I have about I this think that I think they definitely, when it came to Icarus-specific fight scenes in this movie, I definitely think they borrowed a few things from Man of Steel. I think they borrowed a lot from the yeah. Justice League. Yeah, because especially there were some sequences where like he was flying through the air and punching his enemy that like they did the super close follow up like they did in like the Zack Snyder films. Yeah, there was a lot of similarities and in, in fact that might have been too much for my liking mm. with right. Zack Snyder's Justice League and the Eternals. And I understand it, it Chloe's I was influenced by the movie. I get that. Sure. There is that, but this was almost like a weird interpretation of like that movie bringing that to the Marvel Universe. Yeah. And like I say, as we get further in this, you're going to hear a lot of that comparison. Because after we have the Eternals established and we start jumping around in time. Uh Uh-huh. See, this is where also I was getting thrown off a little bit. Because after we have the initial debut of the Eternals where they interact with humanity. Oh, yeah, yeah. We fast forward to the present day where Cersei is now in London and working as a teacher. And she is also having a relationship with one Dane Whitman, mm-hmm. AK, you know, played by Kit Harrington, which is not unfamiliar if you've read the comics. Yeah. Because you do know that Dane Whitman is the Black Knight 
from the Avengers. Well, you knew. I had no goddamn idea. Well, that's what I said. If you read the comics, you understood this. So they are kind of teasing that in this movie. Albeit, though, it's a lot more than it was going on in the comics. But I digress. Here we are. So as we see, Cersei is now connected with Dane, and Sprite is also with them as well. And Sprite never ages, too. Yep. So that's something to play in factor as well. So as we see that they're out celebrating Dane's birthday, they are attacked mm-hmm. by a deviant known as Crow. Yep. And this is supposed to be the big heavyweight deviant who we all thought was extinct, but apparently not so much. And then lo and behold, who comes flying in? Icarus. Out of nowhere, like Randy Orton. Yeah, which I was like, like just kind of felt like too predictable. Like, where have you been this entire time? Yeah, and, and obviously hindsight 2020 looking back, it makes sense why he flew in because he, uh, he knows more than he's letting on. But at the time, it's like, what the hell? How did you know about this? Exactly. So it's just kind Cause of... Because this... it's, it's not like news crews and like Twitter posts were getting made and it was going viral all over the internet. Not like, no... Nobody was really in the area, save for maybe a couple, you know, uh, uh, people in the street. Like, it wasn't exactly like a big international story yet. Right. And it's kind of this weird, awkward moment, too, where he comes in and he's acting very noble and prestige. And the comparison to Henry Cavill's Superman in this is clear as day. This was almost like a a cover band, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. And you see how he's just so very stoic, and Dane Whitman is marking out because he's like, "Oh my gosh, you guys are really super, you know, super beings! Like, what's going on?" And as he's getting up to date about what is happening with the Eternals, like Cersei has to admit because she was kind of ducking for a little bit about yeah. what was happening. Yeah, she kept wanting, you know, Dane wanted her to move in, and she kept putting him off, putting him off, putting him off, putting him off, to the point where you know Cersei got asked, uh, you know, "Hey." why don't you want to move in with him? And she's like, well, I don't want to really get attached. It never leads to anything good. And she gets told, you're going to have to tell him at some point. Yeah. So they're kind of dancing around that a little bit, but now since there's a threat there, Icarus says, we got to get the band back together. So so, the cat's kind of out of the bag. Yes. So they wind up going back to find Ajak, played by Selma Hayek, who was the leader of the group, or yep. so we thought, who I guess we should say is more the chosen one. Kind of the matron of the group, I, I would say. Right, because she is able to communicate with Ashram, yep. who is the celestial that allegedly created the Eternals. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Well, we'll use that because there's so much going on with their background, and this is the figure that people thought was Galactus. Yeah. And clearly is not. Spoiler alert, it's not. Right. But as we see, they wind up going to track her down in North Dakota, only to find that she has been killed. Yep. Mysteriously. Yeah, they show up to the house. It's looking kind of sus. You know, things are strewn about. Things are broken. The door's wide open, flinging back and forth in the wind. And that's when they find the body. Yes. So now they're trying to figure out what is going on. And we start getting a little more backstory about what they're involved with and their true purpose, which was they came to to the Earth to protect what was on there, but also to stop the deviants from taking over. Yeah. And once the deviants had been wiped away, well, there was really no purpose for them, which is kind of a weird thing to do. Kind of. But it was also, we see that there's a true underlying plot going on involving the Celestials. Mm-hmm. And, Pad, what is that plot? Uh, the, they are sending the Eternals to Earth to basically seed the planet so that they can end up destroying it. Yes. 
It's this weird thing where they're secretly hatching celestials through the heart of planets. Yeah. Like we, like, we find this out, what would you say, almost halfway through the movie? Did yeah. Give or take? And, and, it, and to record, too, the movie is well over two hours long. It's like two hours, 37 minutes or something yeah. like that. So it's a long movie. So, like, about halfway through the movie, you find... Because the entire time, it feels like there's more going on than what we're being led to believe. Mm-hmm. That... Obviously, some shenanigans are going down. Obviously, there's some more motivations going on. There's some otherworldly and other higher powers going on that, like, you know, you just can't put your finger on it because we don't know. We're seeing it for the first time. But once this comes out, you're going, oh, okay. I I see. I see what you're doing. Yeah. And they kind of tiptoed around one very big loophole in the MCU is about Thanos Mm -hmm. and about the blip. Yeah. And the one thing that they didn't want to even go near, the comic fans knew, Thanos is a deviant. Yep. So didn't mention, did not mention it. Did not mention it. Just kind of ignored it, which was not happy. They kind of dodged that. Well, bullet. and I don't even think they explained why they didn't help with Thanos because I know Dane brought it up. Oh no, they did explain. But oh, they, they did. Okay. They, well, they said they don't get involved unless it's involving deviants. Right. But how did you not know Thanos was a deviant? Like. That that whole East like could be just a change like in the comics he's a deviant but it might just be a change between the comics and the movies they have to do that now I mean, and that's why I'm assuming they're gonna go with yeah but it's still a very odd thing to do but they explain how the blip actually saved the planet yeah because it stopped the hatching of the original celestial that was hybrid there because the the way that the, the uh, celestial I guess incubates is it requires a certain number of people to be living on the planet. And once it hits that threshold, you know, whatever the number is, then it goes, Oh, Hey, I, you know, I'm fully incubated time for me to hatch, you know, much like a chicken and an egg type of deal, you know, but once the blip happened and it wiped out half of the population of the earth, that kind of ticked the timer back a little bit. Yeah. It's just weird. Yeah. I, yeah. For being the basis of a movie, I thought that was really odd. It was odd, but I saw, I sat there and just like, suspending you know suspending reality and just taking the movie for what it was and what they were saying for what it was i'm like okay i follow what you're saying yeah and obviously we do a little more time jumping to where they go back to babylon and they've now set up a a kingdom so to speak and the one takeaway that you have from this is the eternals have really fallen in love with humanity yeah and i mean my one gripe with the movie is that you know the time jumps were a lot but yeah my one gripe was that in a lot of instances we didn't get what time the uh, the time jumps were taking place in until like halfway through the scene mm-hmm. or something ridiculous like that like okay if you're gonna time jump like that put it at the damn outset of the scene like you know a couple of the star wars movies i i remember have listed like what planet they're on or where they're going like they put that right as they get to said planet like they don't wait till halfway through and go oh hey by the way we're at naboo yeah exactly it the pacing on this i thought was all all over the place too. yeah and that's why I say it really threw me off because when they jump back to Babylon, the only takeaway you had from this is this is when Thena went crazy. Right. And how she was mentally breaking down and how she almost killed everybody there because she's the most fierce warrior of amongst the ten of them. And I got to say, Angelina Jolie's performance from like this point on was incredible. Oh, yeah. From from when? No. Because she really took this character who is flawed. And that's the one thing, too, for as perfect as these in, in eternals are looking she's the one that really showed that they're they're not they're not but she had the most humanity amongst her yeah because she was 
like she's broken. Yeah. And I thought that what she did there, I, I will say that, I thought that she was very good in that aspect. She was great. Yeah, like I, I have no problem with her about given, that. Given the subject matter and, and some of the stuff she had to do and deal with, it was heavy stuff that like I sat there believing that she was actually going through this. And yeah. I'm like, wow. Yeah, no, I, I I will agree with you about that. I thought that she did a good job once they explained about how she was yeah. you know mentally damaged. Uh, from everything that was going on there. Yeah. I Like I said, how they did that, I thought I was like, okay, this is good. This actually adds some depth to these characters because they're otherwise they were too perfect. And how do you connect with them? When everybody is Superman, you lose belief in like they can actually be hurt or they can be killed because they're too perfect. Mm-hmm. That's the one problem. You have to have that sense of possible realism, I guess is kind of the way I'm saying it, that how do you connect with somebody that's so many different levels above you? Yeah. That's the problem. I mean, that's one thing I think is a big problem with Superman that a lot of people get turned off. It's like, you know they can't be killed, you know he can't be hurt. Well, he could, but it's not. Right, but unless you go deep diving into it, but, you know, that's where people have to look at him and say, okay, well, I like him because he's he represents hope. He represents a better tomorrow. He represents, you know, truth, justice, and all that jazz. So, like I say, when you have to look at this team... There's nothing that becomes so endearing about them until Thena's really becomes somebody that you see is like, okay, she's a hero, but she's also, you know, fighting for herself. Yeah. And I think that that was something that Angelina Jolie did very well. But as I say, that's the only takeaways you really had from Babylon, other than, you know, the quote unquote sex scene, which, I mean, was already forgettable between Icarus and Cersei. Yeah. That for all the hype that was on the internet about it, like, really. Stop. So took 25 minutes to film, which was, hey, okay. Yeah, it's like, okay. But, you know, here we are. It's like it had really no impact on the story. Grow up, w- folks. Whatsoever. Exactly. It was just, it was dumb. So at this stage, we're now back in present time. They track down Kingo, who's a Bollywood star. Yep, a multi-generational Bollywood star. Like, hey, I think Sprite brings it up at one point when they get on his plane to travel, and he's got, like, a bunch of his photos from or posters from movies throughout the year, and they're like, and, and Sprite's like, don't doesn't anybody think it weird that you're in all these movies over the course of all of history? He goes, well, no, this is my great great grandfather. This is my great grandfather. This is my father, and this is me. You know, I'm the fifth generation greatest greatest actor in all of Bollywood. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Kamal Nanjani played this role perfectly. Yeah, he did. Really loved him, and especially his assistant. Oh my God, Karun. Karun, who got his own uh, character poster. Yes, Harish Patel played him, and so good. He. He just was the right side of the film. I was like, can I get a Disney Plus uh, show with him and then Michael Pena as Louis? Louis. Oh, give it to me, man. Like, the two of them on screen together would be fucking incredible. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely here for that. So now with Kingo following them, they go meet up with Gilgamesh and Thena. And Gilgamesh has been watching over Thena, too. Yeah. And really making sure that she is, you know, in a good place as well, too. And Well, the, so that she doesn't destroy the world. Exactly, because she's got the power too. She definitely does. Have, she definitely has the power too, and that's something that I think a lot of people forgot about. Yeah. And Don Lee plays Gilgamesh too, as well. And you see how they are just getting brought back into the fold, and they're kind of reflecting on the events mm-hmm. of the MCU. Which I know they name dropped. Well, you know who's going to take over the Avengers since Captain Rogers isn't there, and yeah. Icarus is like, "Well, I could take over," and they all kind of just look at him and go, "Like what?" Yeah. But then as they start getting their plan back together. They go and find Drig, who is now leading a cult. A cult. I mean, we got a cult. There it, it is. It's, it's a cult. He's leading a cult. The man has the ability to control people's mind, and it's like next-level Jedi mind trick type shit, except it doesn't have to be the weak-willed. Uh, he can control everyone's mind. 
Uh, and he's got an entire group of people living in the forest. And I don't know where the hell they are. They look tropical, look maybe central or South America, you know, hard to tell. Uh, but he's got an entire group of folks living there and worshiping him like a god. Yeah, it's kind of an odd scene, to be honest with you. And he's basically figured out what's going on with Ajax. And during this whole moment, they get attacked. Yep. The Deviants have tracked them down, especially Crow, who winds up killing Gilgamesh yeah. in a knockdown dragout battle. Yeah. And he is now we're finding out he has the ability to mimic. Yep. So he winds up stealing Gilgamesh's powers. Well, they kind of hinted at it throughout the movie and kind of suggested that he can steal powers just because early in the film we see him heal himself, which they, oh, Deviants have never done this before. What the hell is this? Mm-hmm. But wait, Ajax, you know, and then they find Ajax's dead body and they go, wait a minute, you know, the, the Deviant killed Ajax and now the Deviant can heal itself. It can steal powers. But of course, until they actually see it, they can't believe it. But now they see it. Yes. So now... They're coming to terms with, okay, what is our purpose here? What are we supposed to do? Also, we got to point out Druig is a dick this entire scene. Yes, he is. That they're like, hey, we need your help. Otherwise, the world's going to die and all of us on it. And he's basically like, "Mm, fuck you, I don't care. Well, because the one thing that gets revealed very quickly during this whole point is Ajax had an orb that was installed in her that she, she could communicate with Arsham. Yep. And during this, this is how we find out about the hatching celestial. Well, once this orb is now in Circe's, she understands that the world is on a countdown. Yeah. Uh-huh. So this is almost like a forgotten plot at some point. That 70Q Europe, final countdown. Exactly. They have to now some suddenly save the world without anybody watching, apparently, because there's going to be a big alien that hatches from the center of the earth. Yeah, folks. Uh-huh. That's the plot to this movie. Shall we continue? I think so. So then they decide, okay, well, we've rounded up basically everybody else that we can. We're down to Eternals because yep. Ajax is dead. Yep. Gilgamesh is dead. And he's a heavy hitter. Exactly. We can't find Macari right now. Yep. But we do find Fathos. Mm-hmm. And he is settled in with, a, with his partner and a child. Yep. In Chicago, I believe? Yes. Yeah. So... He's happy with his husband. He is not wanting to have anything to do with this. Oh, he's he's had a rough, you know, couple centuries. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he, uh, you know, his ability is like he can build things, and he's super good with you know with constructing things. We see him, you know, working on his son's bicycle, and come to find out that uh, during World War II, he was a part of the Manhattan Project. Yeah, and, and was responsible for building the atomic bombs that dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and they showed him at said uh, drop sites, which. Fuck, that was a heavy scene. Exactly. Yo. That was something just to show about how the Eternals have been working behind the scenes. I mean, Brian Tyree Henry played Fathos very well. Yeah, and I gotta film. and I gotta give Chloe Zhao credit, you know, for showing some of these heavy scenes because Marvel film kids are gonna be there. You very easily could have just had him set it and it still would have been heavy, mm-hmm. but the punch wouldn't have been there. But it's for the fact that like now, obviously you didn't see any dead bodies or anything like that, but still to see, hey, you know, to see the typeface on it, you know, Hiroshima nineteen forty five and go and instantly anyone who's, you know, paid attention in history class goes, Oh, fuck yeah like you know what happened you know very easily could have just said oh yeah i was responsible for you know i was you know working for the manhattan project and you know dropped the atomic bomb but to show him actually there and him breaking down and going i did this i'm responsible for this very powerful it definitely was i mean they they had some standout moments in this movie i will give them credit for that but after fathos leaves his family to come help them they get back on the ship 
they do catch up with Macquarie, who's been on the ship the entire time, just ha- kind of hanging out, which is kind of a weird thing. But mm-hmm. it is what it is. We just chalk that up to reasons. reasons. We do get the big plan of how to stop the giant celestial from hatching from the planet. Uh-huh. Pad, when you heard this plan, what was your honest reaction? This ain't going to work. This is just too, there, There's no way this is going to work. This is too far out there. And Fathos's plan was basically, all right, we're going to amplify Druig's mind control and create a unimind between all of us. Yeah. Basically going Captain Planet with our minds to essentially shut his down. So you're going to shut down this new Celestial's mind. Yeah. With everybody else. We'll say all that all would have been missing if they it would, would have been uh, Bonnie Tyler holding out for a hero. Yeah. Like, I heard this and I'm like, okay, I see what you're doing. And on paper, it sounds great. But in actuality, there's no way this is going to fucking work. No, this this definitely is crazy. Like, Because you don't even know if your powers can go that high in terms of, like, ability. Right. You're going on crazy 1970s-esque writing where it'll just happen. Trust me. I understand the Eternals is a little out there, but this was still pushing the the envelope for me. I'm like, it's really? On, it's going on some Gandalf from Lord of the Rings logic. We're like, you're not going on hope. You're going on fool's hope. Yeah, because this was so over the top. It was for being the dramatic grittiness that the Eternals movie was. This was like, wait, what? Yeah. And how is this going to work? I mean, granted, Fastos is one of the most intelligent people on the planet. Sure, I get you. But this was still tr- just... Wait, what? Like, the plot just kept spiraling, spiraling out of control for me. Yeah. Like, I was just like, okay. But granted, I get it because of what the time period was when it was written. This is why the books have really never connected, because it was kind of like, all right, these are really creative ideas, but in my opinion, I don't know how this is all going to shape up. Here we are, though. Mm-hmm. But during this great revelation, we come to find out that one person has known about this and set a trap for everybody. Yep. And who is that person? Icarus. Yes, the quote-unquote leader of the Eternals has been working everybody the entire time. And I got to admit, like, up to this point, you know, obviously Crow, you know, the, the deviant that's gaining abilities, you know, has, has been kind of the big bad. But I'm like, it doesn't feel like the big bad. You no. know, it, fe- it felt like Avengers 1 where Loki was the big bad, but he wasn't the big bad. You know, obviously, the big bad was, was Thanos. We just didn't see him until the end of the movie. The entire time I'm watching this movie going, okay, feels like there's some machinations going on behind the scene. There's somebody pulling the puppet strings. That Like, there's a little more going on. And I got to say, plot twist with Licorice was great. I did not see that coming. I didn't see it coming, I'll be honest with you, too. Look at, now, looking back, there are obvious hints, and if you pay sure. attention to it, you can see it. But that's with hindsight. In the moment, didn't see it. Right, no, at the, at the initial offset, I didn't see it. But after really deep diving into it... Yeah, the clues were there. And especially of how he eliminates Ajax, which I was like, okay. Yeah. This is an interesting twist. But how this all kind of shaped up after is he winds up fighting everybody, escaping with Sprite, who has been in love with Icarus this entire time. But since, well, she's been a child because she can't grow up due to you know how her bio- biology is, mm-hmm. she winds up leaving with him. To make sure that, well, we're going to hatch the world and whatever happens from here, it happens from here. Because I've known the entire time. This has been the mission. I don't stray from the mission. Yeah. I'm staying loyal to the Celestials. 
So while this is going on too, Kingo is like, I'm not fighting anybody. Yeah. I've helped you enough. I'm not going to fight family. <laughs> so he takes off. Vin Diesel approves. Oh, my God. Yeah, when that moment happened, I'm like, ah, oh, really? Like, but are we? I, I, didn't you even lean over to me and do the Vin Diesel family? Oh, yeah. Because the minute he said that, I was like, family. <laughs> I was waiting for Vin Diesel to come through that charger and just come. I like, am Groot. Yeah, just come busting through there like, don't worry, we got this. Oh, my God. This is the plot for Fast 12. They have to stop the space aliens. There we go. Oh, my space God. Space aliens that are bringing in Jurassic World. Oh, my God. You heard it here first. I want credit if this goes online. Um, So we're now faced with a shorthanded team that is going on blind luck to save the world, not only from the celestial being hatching from the Earth, mm-hmm. but also the, Superman. That's on a power trip who's gone full injustice. Yeah, who's gone injustice. What chance do these people have? Yeah. They don't. I mean, you, you look at the lineup they have. All right, Cersei can change matter. Yep. Which she doesn't do it that often. So, all right, you have her on uh, yeah. fighting. Druig's a mind guy. Yep. All right. Thena is a warrior. Yep. So she probably has the strongest chance. She's more like Wonder Woman of this Justice League wannabe team that they've essentially made the Eternals. They essentially made her look like Wonder Woman without getting in trouble with copyright. Yeah. There was all, like we said. A lot of similarities yeah. to Zack Snyder's Justice League than I liked. And seriously, the more I deep dive into this, this is just the cover band version. Sorry. This is how I'm feeling about this. Macri is the Flash. Yeah. Better version, I would say. Yeah. Fathos, Green Lantern. Because he was making a lot of different things. I Green mean, Lantern or also maybe Cyborg. Yeah, you could argue in, that. In too. terms of just being like the, the group's kind of mechanic, I guess you could say. Yeah, but just for what he was able to do with his mind, too. Like I said, a lot of that comes with Green Lantern forcing his will through his ring. But, you know, we, we can digress about that. So we now have the Justice League fighting each other. They wind up going to a volcano because they suddenly track down where the, I believe, the emergence yeah, is where, 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 where the Celestial is going to pop out of the ground. Yeah. So not only is the Eternals fighting Superman, I mean Icarus. You now have Crow who shows up. Yep. And then you also have the hatching of said Celestial. And the Celestial is huge. This isn't anything that flies under a radar. No, like this is real hard to miss. And further evidence that the Avengers and the other superheroes are the most blind people in the universe. Yeah, like what the hell is going on here? If they said this happened during the snap and everybody was gone, I've been like, okay. Yeah. I can buy this. Yeah. I can't buy how they did the ending, though. Yeah. I mean, granted, you had Crow get taken out by Athena, which I will say, badass scene. Sure. When she cut his head off, that was cool because when you finally had that moment. But I will say this. It reminded me too much of Darth Maul. Mm-hmm. You had the badass villain. You did absolutely nothing with him. Yeah. And he got punked out yeah. instantly. Okay. Yeah, they might have my fault Darth Maul further and have him come back and be better. I mean, I'd be okay with it. Yeah. Crow had potential, but yeah. when, when I'm sorry, you, you're you have him have this setup where he's he's basically fighting everybody else. He's jumping in the mix between you know Injustice Icarus and the rest of the team. Yeah, he has that one on one moment with Athena. Athena winds up wiping him completely off the board. Oh yeah, and like I said, proves how much of a badass she is. Is like okay, well, what was his time even there? Like he was Steppenwolf. Let's be honest. In, in a sense, yeah. So, yet again, the Justice League comparison is right there. Then we go back to the regular team, and they wind up actually halting 
Icarus. Mm-hmm. They they wind up containing him for a while. They they take care of Sprite, and you have Cersei having that moment where she is now suddenly able to go and activate the Unimind with Fathos and the rest of the team. Yeah, I mean, Icarus is very clearly just like Superman light. But that was one thing I liked is that whereas Superman's so got, like Superman's my favorite superhero of all time, even I'll admit he's a little overpowered, you know, just because you think back to the scene from both Justice League and the Zack Snyder cut where he comes back to life and you've got, you know, all the Justice League there trying to hold him down and then so he doesn't go nuts and destroy the city. And, you know, Flash starts running in slow motion. He just turns and looks and, and attacks him and throws everybody off him. At least with this, there was a fighting chance. Yeah. You know, it was it was like, oh, LOL, you know, LOL, Icarus wins. You know, it wasn't that. It was, okay, he's strong and he's powerful, but, like, he's he's still not God tier. No, and, that, and that's the thing, too, is, like, they were really not clear on the power levels of everybody, too. Because even when Icarus finally breaks free and is trying to stop Cersei, who's ready to unleash the Unimind on the Celestial and, and finally do this crazy-ass plan... He, like, suddenly has a flashback and is like, oh, what I did this entire time was wrong. I'm going to fly away. Bye. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it? Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. Cause, and then he's trying to say, like, the reason was because he was in love with her and, you know, he, he can't kill her because, you know, it's still been there the entire time. And he, just how he leaves is just, it's, I get it, but it's like, it didn't come across the way I thought it should have. Sure. Like, did you honestly think when he left, he was so guilty he was going to blow himself up? I couldn't quite figure out what was going on. Obviously, exactly. like, I felt like he had some remorse and he definitely regretted what he did and this and that. But, like, it was hard to feel that or tell he felt that just because he all of a sudden 180 flipped and was like, oh, I'm going to help you now. That, like, he's been screwing him over and double crossing him over for the better part of this movie. That all of a sudden he just turns on a dime because his because of his feelings for Cersei and goes, oh, I'm going to help you now. Like, I feel like it could have been explained a little bit better. Maybe it was just me. I was, I thought Cersei said Martha to him. <laughs> that was just you. I legitimately just like, wait, what? Because, like, I like I get the whole premise that, like, okay, they've been together for thousands of years, and there's a deep, loving bond between the two of them. But for him to literally double-cross her for the last two-plus hours, yeah, and then 180 at the drop of a hat, I'm like, okay, I can't suspend disbelief that much. Yeah, exactly. Like, just how his setup was wrong. It was just like it didn't connect. So, obviously, with him off the picture, well, Cersei does the Unimind trick, freezes the Celestial in the planet. Everybody goes home safe. Yay! Hooray! Until a couple days. Happy ending. Yeah, until later when everybody is uh, getting used to staying on Earth. So, they're used to staying on Earth. We've got Sprite, whose one wish was to grow the hell up and experience all these things that, you know, Sprite never got to experience. Took away, they took away Sprite's eternalness i guess yeah so she loses her powers allegedly so it's comics they can always write it back in right so because cersei still has the power of the unimind in her because she has the channel to talk to well she had a little bit she she said i got a a little bit of it left just enough to take away your powers yeah so perhaps there's none left perhaps there's still some left who knows exactly it was kind of a weird thing too especially because sprite was trying to kill you too yeah like let's not forget about she was she was in there trying to help but she got taken out real quick like, Macquarie was great about this and, you know, obviously helping the team out here. So, that being said, Sprite goes, gets her happy ending. So, now she's no longer going to be eternal. You have half the team take off in space. Yeah. So, it's Druig, Macquarie, and Athena. So, 
what they're doing. I guess they're now looking for other Eternals to go recruit for their cause. Well, they're going to go pull the rug off of their eyes, you know, or pull the cover off of their eyes and tell them, hey, what you're doing isn't what you're actually doing. Like, here's the truth of it. Because yeah. I know there's one point where somebody goes, oh, do you think they'll believe it as, as fast or as much as we did? And they're like, yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's just kind of a weird setup with that. And then the remaining Eternals on Earth get pulled away by Arsham, who basically says, I saw what you did. I'm not happy about it. I'm not happy about it. I'm going to think about this. I'm going to judge you and look for your you know, memories and everything to see if these folks are worthy of it. And then I'm going to come back and deal with this. Yeah. So, so that's going to come back down the line to bite him in the ass. Yeah. Fade to black. That's how it ends. But then we get two bonus scenes. Yep. And I'd rather talk about the bonus scenes because I want to actually talk about some things I actually liked. So the first bonus scene, we get the crew in space. And we get somebody that teleportates on there. Or shows up, should I say. Yep. And that is Pip the Troll. Played by Patton Oswalt. Yes. Now, I marked out for this. I'm not going to lie about that. Because I thought, like, oh, we're going to get Adam Warlock here. Okay, because Pip the Troll is very connected to Adam Warlock. Also, Adam Warlock was literally just cast, so would yeah. make sense. Yeah, it would make sense. But no, we get a long-ass introduction for Star Fox, played by Harry Styles. <laughs> yeah. That Harry Styles. Yep. Which I wasn't mad about. No. And we find out, obviously, if you weren't familiar and you heard the spiel that Pip gave... Star Fox is the brother of one Thanos. So who knows what he's here for? Exactly. Good, bad, or otherwise. And he's basically saying, I'm here to help. We're going to restart this cause up. And like I say, Star Fox is a completely different character. He's more like, you know, the space version of Gambit, but not as cool. Right. Well, and didn't he also say that, like, hey, you're because... The one point before he showed up and before Pip showed up was they were tr- the crew on the ship were trying to communicate back to Earth, but nobody was responding. Right. And they were kind of concerned, like, oh, maybe we should get back. And that's when he, when Pip and, and they sh- them showed up, and and he goes, "Listen, y'all need to come with me. Your friends need help." Yeah. So that's one bonus scene we have. But then the one that I'll admit I was I was very happy about, but I wasn't happy about it too is we go back to Dane Whitman, who, before Cersei was teleported away, was professing his love and saying, well, I have a secret, too. There's there's skeletons in my family's closet. Yeah, and he's in an office. He has a long chest in front of him uh-huh. that has an encryption on it. Yep. And he opens it up, yep. and lo and behold, what do we have, Pat? There's a black sword in there. Yes, is the Ebony Blade, where it is a blood-lusted curse. To the, to the person who wields it. This is what makes the Black Knight cool in the comics. And he's about ready to take this sword because he's he's going to go fight for Cersei. And he's fighting with himself whether he wants to or not. He's like, yeah, oh, he almost touches it and then pulls back. And then he goes and touches, tries to touch it again. Because he knows he's cursed if he does. Yeah, yeah. So he's screwed if he, if he damned does. Damned if you do, damned if you yeah. don't. And then a voice goes... Do you really want to do this? Are you sure you want to do this? And at first we thought Samuel L. Jackson. And mm-hmm. then I'm sitting there going, that don't sound like Samuel L. Jackson. And then somebody in our theater before in front of us goes, no, that's the Watcher. Yeah, it was Jeffrey Wright. And they thought it was Jeffrey Wright. And I'm going, oh, yeah, sure. And then Chloe's out came out and said who it actually is. Mahershala Ali. 
Blade. Yo. Which I was happy about, but at the same time, why would you leak that? You know, like, just give us a cameo of him. Just stand in there. Yeah. You know, you don't have might to have not, Might not have been able to make it. Scheduling conflicts, like, he could record a voice, and that was about it. I know, but that killed me. I was like... That's the, that's the only thing I can think of, is that there was a scheduling conflict, and all he could literally, literally do was just, wherever he was filming something, record his voice saying that and send it over to him. Yeah, I mean, maybe. That's, I, that's I, the I, only I, thing I can think of as a scheduling conflict, because let's not forget, you know, when they went to redo... When they went to do the, the post scene or whatever with them in Shwarma at Avengers 1, you know... Uh, Chris Evans was in the middle, actually in the middle of filming something else and couldn't eat anything. So that's why he doesn't eat in that scene. Mm. No, I mean, okay, that makes sense. But I was just disappointed. I'm like, oh, you should have just gave us a cameo if you could have. Yeah. Just because with the voice. Because the fact that it got leaked out after is like, oh, I want to see more of this. Because if memory serves me right, and obviously Ed Udi Parlayer, if I'm wrong about this, they were on a team together. Probably. It wasn't the Avengers at the same time, to my knowledge. But I want to say it was... Was it Pete Wisdom and MI6? It might have been something along that lines, I think. I don't know. But they've had some run-ins together, so that did not throw me off as, as much. But that all being said, Pat, final thoughts on this film? thought it was an okay film. Uh, not exactly chomping at the bit to watch it again. You know, when it comes out on Blu-ray, you know, or on Disney Plus, whatever, it hits first. I'll probably end up watching it again, but I'm not, ex- you know, I'm not exactly chomping at the bit like, oh, I've got to watch it for this specific sequence again. You know, I'm a little confused as to, you know, how this is going to change the entire MCU or whatever it was they were saying beforehand. But I'm always willing to give Marvel the benefit of the doubt. While I may not understand now, I'll understand down the road in that end scene, though. Yo. Yeah, I will give you that. The bonus scenes definitely were the highlights of this film. I thought that it wasn't all bad, per se. Karen was great. Yeah. You know, we have to give respect to that. I thought some of the acting was very good. But for being perfect humanoid beings, because obviously they were created by the Celestials, but it's kind of that weird area of, you know, are they, you know, human DNA mixed, whatever the case is. I thought this really missed the mark of trying to sell what the Eternals were all about. Right. In my opinion. Like, I, like I'm like i not hating on anybody that loved this movie. The only time I'm really going to get on somebody's case if they get real toxic about it is oh, kind of like, yeah. like when people defend AEW blindly. Oh, yeah. And yet you're trying to have that conversation with them, and they're arguing back. Yeah. Okay. When that's happening, I will call that out. Because I've seen a few people do that, and I'm like, okay, the film is not Endgame. It's not Infinity War. It's It's, not Citizen Kane. It's not the greatest MCU film of all time. Like, If you feel that way, please explain to me how. Because when I watch this film, and I rewatch clips here, sure, I get the biggest love letter to Zack Snyder's Justice League that I think we could possibly get without him being involved. And I just say for the amount of influence this had on Chloe Zhao's vision, it just didn't really pop off to me as well as I thought it should have for a brand new franchise. Like this just had too many overtones of Justice League in it without being Justice League. Yeah. And I, I kind of, it took away a lot from the film for me that I tried going in with the open mind and I did. I mean, I watched it, but I'm like, these, there's just too many comparisons I'm seeing here of, of how you're portraying the Eternals. Like, they're not this g- amazing group that has had this long touted history in the MCU. Like, they've always been background players. They always have. Like, um, you can't say otherwise. 
even when they've had runs in the comics, they, there's nothing that everybody's going like, yo, do you remember that story? Right. Like, I'm sorry. It just it isn't that way. And I thought for what they were doing is just too much time jumping around, too many overtones. They were trying to be too too artsy, too, sure. too Zack Snyder-ish. Sure. I don't know. Like, it just it didn't resonate with me. But I understand that some people like it, and that's cool. Like, you know, do you. But for me and my interpretation of it, I was like, for two and a half hours, it went way too long. Yeah. They could have tied up a lot of stuff. For the star-studded cast, I thought they should have explained a little bit more about the powers. I feel like if they did that, though, then we're looking at a three-hour movie. But even if they did, like, little vignettes. You know, like how when, um, for the Disney Plus shows, they do the the one shows before it. Those are five minutes apiece. Either, but you know what? You can still do something like that. So you're you're complaining that the movie is too long at two and a half hours, and you want to make it three? No, not necessarily. Just if you did something on Disney Plus to introduce them, like you could do something like that. I'm just saying, for what we had here, there was a lot of moving parts going on, and it just didn't seem like it was going in the same direction. But I thought for what they left with the bonus scenes, that could be very interesting. I don't know what they're going to really do with Star Fox moving forward. Uh, I know he's been an Avenger at times. Um, We'll kind of have to wait to see if they want to add him to the lineup. It just really depends on what the next phase is going to be. But I think the biggest takeaway from this is, well, we know Dane Whitman is going to be involved with the Avengers. Yeah. That's something to be very excited about. But for this film, like I say, it's it's on the lower half of my MCU scale. And I just think they just it missed the mark for what it was shooting for. But that's my opinion of it. You've heard Pad's opinion about it. Yeah. But let's hear your opinion about it. ODPH Society, hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. Marvel Studios Eternals, what's your take? We want to have that conversation. We can have a respectful one. I'm down to hear. If you loved it, tell me why. If you hated it, tell me why. I'm good, to hear. I'm good on both sides of the fence about it. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, everyone. This is Mark, the DM for Stranger Damies. What is Stranger Damies, you ask? Well, we're just a bunch of first-time D&D players exploring the world of Tal'Dorei 30 years after the events of the Coma Conclave, which was made famous on Critical Role. Join us every week as we roll some dice, make some mistakes, but most importantly, we have fun. New episodes air every Wednesday at strangerdamies.podbean.com or on your favorite podcast streaming app. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at StrangerDamies. And is it Wednesday yet? Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. And this is a very, very big week for Disney Plus, Pad. Yeah, it is. Why is that? Uh, because this Friday, uh, November 12th, if as we record, is the second birthday for Disney Plus. Hard, How crazy is that? Hard to believe it's already been two years since Disney Plus released. Uh, Better these days than it was on release day. I remember release yeah. day. I was off uh, from work on release day, and it was it was rough to say the least. Either the app was crashing or stuff was not playing the way it should. But it's definitely doing a lot better these days. Uh, Disney announced today, I believe they had an earnings call. Could be wrong. Uh, but they did announce that as of October 2nd, Disney Plus has 118.1 million subscribers, which is far exceeding their expectations for where they would be uh, these days. But, hey, kudos to you folks. It's a fantastic service. Well, you have to think about the quality of shows they put on. Yeah. And how they've really had moments that have taken over pop culture. Mm-hmm. The Mandalorian, when that came out first day, yep, 
Look at how much that shut down oh, everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then everything else. Out, you know, it's and not just Mandalorian. WandaVision. WandaVision, Loki, Loki, Falcon, Winter Soldier, you know, the Mighty Ducks sequel. You know, but even just from the original stuff to just the catalog of the back library of just every, almost everything Disney has done. Obviously, there's some stuff on some other services, which jump back and forth every now and again. You know, but hey, that's that's a whole other ball of wax. But it, it's one of the deepest libraries of just... You know, and I and I realize Netflix has got a pretty deep library themselves, but let's face it, there's a lot of stuff on Netflix that you've never heard of. There's a lot of stuff, if not most stuff on Disney Plus that you've, you, even if you haven't seen it, you've at least heard of it. Yeah. You know, and it, it's very impressive. And if you're not a subscriber to Disney Plus, I got to note, they are running a promotion from November 8th through November 14th. New subscribers can get your first month of Disney Plus for just $1.99. dollar ninety nine. That's insane. Now, that's not an ad read. That's not a sponsored read. That's just, hey, me telling you, if you don't already have this fantastic service, there's a good uh, reason for you to go get it. That's freaking insane. Yeah. Uh, if you don't sign up for that, you need to get on Disney+. Plus. I, 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 I can't even think of a reason why you would not sign up for the streaming service. Uh-huh. They've got so much quality programming on there. But, Pad, there is a lot going to be announced with Disney Plus Day 2, correct? Yeah, so there's a bunch of stuff getting added uh, to Disney Plus on uh, November 12th. So here's just a breakdown of some of the stuff uh, you're going to be getting on Disney Plus on uh, November 12th. And I'm reading this courtesy of the folks over at whattowatch.com. Uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings will be added to Disney Plus. Right, so it's not the premiere deal. It's going to be nope. a normal subscription. Nope, As if it's not, you don't have to pay $20, $30 for it. If you are subscribed to Disney Plus on November 12th, probably at 3 in the morning, just Eastern, because that's the way these things usually work, uh, you will be able to find Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings on Disney Plus. Hit play and watch it from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jungle Cruise will be made available to all Disney Plus subscribers. Now, that is one of the films that is currently on that Premiere Plus you know, pay tier, whatever. That'll be coming off of that pay tier. And again, much like Shang-Chi. You won't have to pay any money to go watch it. Anyone and now, this is the Jungle Cruise with Dwayne the Rock Johnson. You know, uh, you'll be able to go watch it uh, on Disney Plus. That's dope. I mean, the fact that Disney Plus is now bringing those big blockbuster films to the yeah. streaming service, and especially like in my opinion, I understand why they did the tier plan. Sure, but it just doesn't work. Yeah, like I think that you got to just keep the business plan that you have right now. Yeah. And I think it'll get there. And like, I understand. Yeah. I understand why, but I just, I don't think it works out in the long term. No. Uh, then you've got the premiere of a Disney plus original movie titled home sweet home alone. Uh, so you got that coming out. Uh, also Olaf presents a, which is going to be a series of animated shorts featuring the character Olaf from the frozen films, retelling classic Disney stories. I've seen the cover of the promo art for this. It looks utterly ridiculous. And I got to admit, I'm probably going to end up watching it because it's going to be funny. Josh Gad is returning to voice Olaf. It's basically him telling classic Disney stories like Aladdin, Little Mermaid, Moana. And it's, listen, it's going to rife. It's going to poke fun at some of those movies. It's just going to be hilarious. See, I, I think that that's going to be fun to do. Oh, yeah. I still have not wrapped my head around that they're doing a Home Alone remake. Oh, I know. As an original movie. Yeah. Like, as original concept, like, just that whole idea is messing me up. I'm reading that article, too, from you now, and I'm just like, wait, what? Yeah, and I'm showing Ken the cover art for uh, 
Oh, Ol- that- Olaf presents. Yeah, so it's got Tangled, Moana, Little Mermaid, Aladdin, and The Lion King listed behind Olaf, and it looks like he's on stage at like Broadway or something like that. Telling it, it's going to be ridiculous. Oh, it's going to be ridiculous. But yeah, Frozen, ridiculous. Frozen is still like has not slowed down in the popularity. Much to parents' uh, chagrin. Let it go. Yeah. Uh, also, in the U.S., you will see the domestic streaming debut of classic Disney animated short films, including Frozen Fever, Feast, Paperman, Get a Horse, and much more. Okay. Uh, there will be a new short film called Ciao Alberto uh, from Pixar, uh, which is going to be based on the characters from the movie Luca. Haven't seen it, but I've heard from my uh, cousin's kid. It's very good. Yep. Uh, and there will be a new short film from The Simpsons uh, that pays tribute to the Disney's marquee brands. Uh, listen, if you haven't seen the cover art, it's uh, or the poster for this, it's Homer Simpson sitting at a, at a table in a restaurant with Goofy. Mm. And apparently he's not mm. the only, he's not the only Disney character we will see uh, appear in that episode. Uh, so that should be something wild. Yeah, it's it's still it's a weird world we live in that the uh-huh. Simpsons are now part of Disney. Yep. Uh, you will have the first five episodes of The World According to Jeff Goldblum Season 2 will debut. Mm. Uh, there will be a... Uh, so, yeah, that's something to look forward to. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been catching up on that show. I mean, That show's so good. Yeah, you know, it flies under the radar, too. It's Listen, if you like Jeff Goldblum, you will love The World According to Jeff Goldblum because it is Jeff Goldblum exploring his interests and his curiosity in the world. It's a child with a budget. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely wild to see, but it's, it's a fun time. Yep. Uh, you will get, also get a special celebrating the origins and legacy of Star Wars Boba Fett. Yes. Uh, this is, of course, ahead of the release date of the series, The Book of Boba Fett. Give it to me. Give it to me now. Yeah, so odds are we might see another trailer, some behind-the-scenes stuff. Who knows? I wouldn't doubt maybe a Mandalorian teaser. Could be. Just a, a, a teaser, just a slight Maybe a voiceover, and you see like the new logo. Say, I was trying to think. Now that you mentioned, I do believe they're filming because I believe Giancarlo Esposito and then uh, um, Pedro Pascal. No, not Pedro Pascal. Uh, the guy who plays Grief Carga. I'm blanking on the name. Uh, have tweeted some stuff that they've been filming. So uh, you could see some stuff from Book uh, Mandalorian. Never yeah, know. yeah. I'm just saying a super quick still yeah, shot, like yeah, nothing, yeah. nothing or shattering. Yeah. Uh, you will get a special. We'll also get a special celebrating the Marvel Cinematic Universe on Disney Plus, including a look at the MCU's future. Mm, maybe some trailers for some shows that we know are filming. You know, possibly. I think what we'll see. Okay, if I got to do locks and leap style. Sure. All right, so Locke, we'll see something from Hawkeye. Yeah, because I know that they comes re- out like in two weeks after. Yeah, they they released another promotional poster, if I'm not mistaken. Too. Yes. Uh, my leap though is we're going to see the first still shot of She-Hulk. Could be. That I think we'll see that. I We might see Oscar Isaac as Moon Knight. I say, I know he's been posting stuff about getting ready for it or whatever, so it could be. Right, like we might see some still art maybe, which I'd be okay with. Like whatever they want to do for this would be smart. Or if they want to maybe announce some of the other slated projects that are going to be on there. Yeah. I know it's been... Rumored, I, I haven't heard anything official come out from Disney. Yeah, about uh, Agatha, Agatha Harkness has a spinoff show. Yep. Uh, I we do know that Echo is supposed to have one. Yep, uh, coming out. So like maybe we'll get a little more concrete uh, news coming out of those projects. Yeah. So I'll, I'll say we'll say maybe something that. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, for you international listeners, the miniseries Dope Sick will be released uh, in the international markets. Currently, it's on uh, Hulu here in the States, but it'll be added to the Disney Plus overseas. Uh, also, we will get The Making of Happier Than Ever, A Love Letter to Los Angeles, which is a documentary uh, about Billie Eilish's Disney Plus concert movie. 
Okay, I didn't even know there was one. Yeah, no, I'll, oh, I, I heard about it. I saw an ad for it, but I just never got around to watching it. But you, you'll get a bit of a documentary about making that whole thing, so that'll be cool. Uh, also, will be you'll get Marvel Assembled, the making of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings docu-special. I'm going to guess that's going to be like the behind-the-scenes stuff yeah. we've gotten for the Marvel Disney Plus shows, but just behind-the-scenes for Shang-Chi. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've done this before with the movies, too. So. Yeah. Uh, also Marvel-related, we will get Marvel Studios Legends Hawkeye, which re- uh, is going to revisit all of Hawkeye's best MCU moments. That's the stuff they've been putting out before the movies and the TV shows. Well, not the movies, the TV shows. The TV shows, the five-minute refreshers. You know, kind of like, a, hey, in case you forgot who they are, here's a little bit of a refresh for you. Yeah. Uh, we will be getting the debut of 2007's Enchanted, starring Amy Adams and Patrick Dempsey. A uh, very beloved film that I know a lot of folks are fans of, so that'll be getting added to Disney+. Plus. Mm. Uh, you will also get uh, the Disney Channel original movie Spin and all episodes of Fancy Nancy Season 3. Uh, so, and then also starting at 9 a.m. Uh, Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time, uh, fans that follow Disney Plus on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, you'll be getting first looks, new trailers, exclusive clips, and appearances uh, from Disney Plus creators and stars uh, for content including Disney, Pixar, Star Wars, National Geographic, and Star in select international territories. Uh, Disney Plus also is apparently on TikTok uh, that will feature fun content. Uh, then at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific time, uh, you go over to Disney Plus and you will have access to exclusive on-platform specials from uh, Pixar Animation Studios. And then at 11.45, you get one from Marvel, along with some other surprise sneak peeks. Hmm. That's not all they're doing, though. It was recently announced uh, that on November 12th, you're going to be getting some improved home viewing of the Marvel Cinematic Universe films uh, because uh, some Marvel films IMAX expanded ratio is going to be added. Uh, so without getting too technical nitty gritty, basically it just adds 26% more to the screen. Okay. Uh, so there, there's a photo circulating online from one of the Avengers movies, I think it is, where Chris, Chris Evans' top of his head gets cut off. But in the IMAX ratio cut, you see the top of his head and then a little bit more extra. Okay. So it's just it's it's kind of like the difference between full screen and widescreen, but better. Uh, so those movies that will have expanded uh, IMAX enhanced, uh, you know, mumbo jumbo added to Disney Plus are Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Iron Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, Captain America: Civil War, Doctor Strange, Thor Ragnarok, Black Panther. Avengers Infinity War, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Captain Marvel, Avengers Endgame, and Black Widow. Interesting. That's kind of a cool option they're trying to do. Yeah. I got to say that. I, you know, because obviously with everybody getting the 4K TVs and all yeah, that, oh, just, yeah. Oh, yeah. you got to upgrade the quality of the films on there. So, yeah, oh, sure, yeah. sure. Uh, Disney also announced some special network celebrations that we'll have all week long. Uh, so some of the folks include uh, announced for this are uh, the uh, be announced or are showing up are Anthony Anderson, Peyton Manning, Kelly Ripa, Yara uh, Shahadi, Bear Grylls, Sarah Paulson, Kat Dennings, Tamara Mowry. Uh, they're all going to be sharing uh, what they're watching on Disney Plus and some TV spots. There will also be some Disney Plus original spots airing on Monday Night Countdown, Monday Night Football, you know, and then we'll get some stuff. Uh, Jeopardy on is going to be uh, this coming Friday will feature a special Disney Plus category, hmm. you know, and there will also be some fun stuff just going on with Dancing with the Stars, some of the other Disney. So it's going to be an all-out rollout across all Disney platforms. You know, but you want to celebrate the day right. You got to do it. You got to go big or go home. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about it. For everybody that doesn't realize the power of Disney Plus. Yeah. I mean, it's it's only rival right now is Netflix. Yeah. Because technically they're, Netflix, on, and, yeah. they're on the same page with Hulu. So it's not yeah. like you can say anything yeah, otherwise. Yeah, Disney and Hulu are all under the or Disney Plus and Hulu are under the same banner. But yeah, Netflix is the only thing close. But then 
as I said with Netflix, it's nothing against Netflix. There's a lot of great shows and movies on Netflix, but there's also a lot of stuff on there that I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. Oh, it is. And like I mentioned, uh, the Disney Plus offer runs from the 8th of November through the 14th for a $1.99. Price you might vary based on your region, you know, or whatever. Uh, and then after your first month, your subscription will auto-renew and your price will be the normal uh, month retail price that is currently $7.99 a month. So if you don't have Disney Plus, you get your first month for $1.99. It's the smart way to do it. I mean, for all the content they've done, and you think about what they've been able to accomplish in two years. Yeah, it's insane. It's insane, but that proves that streaming is the new way of life. Like, uh-huh. if, if you haven't been signing up for services, I I don't understand why. Because you get a lot of content at your fingertips. Oh, yeah. They make it so accessible, and especially with the libraries they have at their disposal for Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, yeah. Simpsons. They added some stuff to the Star Wars portion that I never thought would see the light of day. Yeah, I mean, that's just to name a few. And especially you get it at a very reasonable price, and especially now with this deal, you got to jump on it if you haven't jumped on it already. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the Disney Plus app. They've just added, they keep adding some great stuff. X-Men First Class just got added to Disney Plus. Jingle All the Way with Arnold Schwarzenegger just got added. You know, bizarrely, never thought I'd see this. Alvin and the Chipmunks Chipwreck just got added. So if you, you like that movie, you'll be able to watch it. You know, there's just so many great stuff that just keeps getting added, you know, every day. It's it's awesome. It's completely awesome, and it's something that if you have not signed up for Disney Plus, I would highly recommend you do. Yeah. And especially follow, make sure you're following them on social media this week, too, because yeah. if they're dropping all this content, Pad, what is one mystery project you think they might slip in there? Um, I'm guessing, because I've heard some rumblings that there's some unannounced Star Wars projects getting worked on. Uh, I would not be surprised if something for that gets announced. What's your reaction going to be if they drop a Kenobi teaser? Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be very sorry for anyone around me. I'm going to call. I'm shooting the shot. I've heard rumors. I'm going to say right now, as you hear this podcast, Friday you might get a Kenobi teaser. I'm just I'm throwing uh, that karma out there. I have not heard anything. I've, I've heard some rumors. I mean, there's always rumors floating around about it, but what a way to do it because I, you remember when they do these conference calls. They drop a lot of knowledge yeah. about what's coming out. Yeah, they do. For Marvel, I, I fully suspect we're going to see something, maybe a, a more teaser of the Fantastic Four. Sure. Possibly the X-Men. Maybe. I mean, if they really want to slide something in there very, very quietly, even though it won't be quiet after it drops, let's <laughs> face it. Facts. This is the way to do it because all eyes are going to be on Disney Plus this weekend for Friday. Because of what is going to be happening. like Even if you're not subscribing, they're going to be dropping so much that it's going to be hard to say for the price to get it for the month, mm-hmm. I can't do this. Yeah. And especially if you log in and they got more content. Yeah. Well, and even when Disney Plus first came out, and I, I set it up on my parents' television just because I figured there'd be some stuff that, you know, some older movies they would want to watch. My parents have not been Disney fans, you know, outside of maybe something coming out, you know, live action, you know, and I'm not talking like one of the remakes, but like a live action movie they put out. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not the biggest Disney fans, you know, ever since, you know, my, my siblings and I grew up. But I set it up on their television. I'm showing like, hey, here's all the great stuff they have. I was just scrolling back through the stuff from when they were kids and even before, you know, that they're going, oh, my God, there's this. Oh, my God, there's that. Like, so even my parents weren't the biggest Disney fans. They're sitting there going, there's a lot here. Yeah. And it's definitely well worth the time. And for two years, 
You look at the Mandalorian. You look yeah. at WandaVision. You look at the shows that they've brought on there, and that's been the staples that everybody's been really setting the bar to. And even the shorts as well. The shows are great, but the shorts they do are absolutely insane. I remember uh, right after the last Toy Story movie came out, you know, Toy Story 4, and then they did the shorts, you know, for, with Forky, one of the characters introduced in Toy Story 4, and it was just him learning about the most simple things. Forky learns about money. Forky learns about love, which... Yo, watch the Forky Learns About Love episode. You will mm. be you will be in stitches by the end of it, I promise. Yeah. You know, the the shorts are nothing short of amazing work themselves. Yeah, they do a lot of great content on there that seriously, if you haven't checked it out, you need to make sure you do it. And especially this Friday, celebrate two years of Disney Plus and Disney Plus Day. Yeah. So we've given you a lot to digest with Disney Plus. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your ideas that we're gonna get? released to us from Disney Plus Day. You think we're going to get some Star Wars trailers? You think we're going to get some Marvel? What do you want to see get dropped on that day? And make sure you're following ODPH social media because if it's breaking on that day, you know we're going to be covering that. That being said, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Do you love movies? I certainly do. Hi, Chris Roberts here, inviting you to listen to I Saw It on Linden Street our weekly podcast dedicated to the joy of finding an appreciation in cult films, exploitation oddities, beloved classics, and all points in between. Join us for an informative deep dive into a film that we feel needs to be recognized, with background thrown in on actors, directors, and hey, if I'm doing my job right, you'll get a funny story out of me. So join us here at I Saw It on Linden Street and listen today. Remember folks, life's too short not to live in the past. Take it easy. Back again for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and it's Fear the Walking Dead time. hey You know it's one of my favorite shows. I love talking about this show. I'm trying to get Pat to start watching it because I think it's the best show in the Walking Dead universe on TV, bar none right now. Season 7 has just started rolling. Obviously, it's going in a lot of crazy directions because when you drop a nuclear warhead in the zombie apocalypse, crazy things happen. This is true. And where the direction of this show has been going, it's been leading into a battle between the one and only Victor Strand, played by Colin Domingo, and Morgan Jones by the always awesome Lenny James. They have been setting up for this I, I hate saying like Professor X versus Magneto battle because they're really not friends. They're just two forces that are going to come at each other. One is very trying to make everything good, and the other one has his way or the highway battle going on. All right. So as we are jumping into this episode entitled Breathe With Me, we are going to be talking spoilers. So if you haven't started the show and you fully wanted to go check it out, I highly recommend you do. Pause the podcast right here, watch the episode, and jump in. If you're like, no, Ken, sell me on why this show is good and I need to talk about it. Well, just stick around for the countdown because after I get done counting down, you know I deep dive into it. That all being said, in three, two, one. What did I think? I thought the episode was solid. Okay. I thought for where we were going to be going with the preview, it was going to go in a different direction. And it did and it didn't. Sure. And I'll kind of dive into it because... What really hooked me on getting back into Fear the Walking Dead was the premiere they had a season ago where we had a bounty hunter named Emil who was hunting Morgan Jones. And this was like one of the better episodes I've seen in this universe, bar none. Mm -hmm. And we knew that he was going to be looking for Morgan from the trailers that we have been seeing for this episode coming in. Because the last time we saw him, uh, he basically has been walking around or he found his dead brother's head. 
And he was saying, basically, Morgan, I'm going to kill you for what you did to my brother. So as we start jumping into this universe, and like I say, you can only say it with just a little, you know, smile because let's face it, this show is absolutely crazy and we're only getting more worse. Because as we jump in, we see the character of Sarah played by Mo Collins waking up and living in, you know, a, a, a refuge, you would say, from this apocalypse that has gone on. Okay. And she is with some of the other survivors of their group. So they made it out uh, before the war had exploded. Mm-hmm. So they're still, like, in the mix, but they're not directly in fault with the mix. And Sarah is desperately trying to find her adopted brother, Wendell, who is in a wheelchair. And they have not found him since the explosion has gone off. Sure. So Sarah is basically trying to reach out to anybody to help. And she is hellbent in high water about going to find him. And even with the other members of the survivors, I guess you would say, trying to say, like, listen, all hope is lost. Like, let's face it, he can't survive in this world. With everything going on, it's just mm. it's not feasible. But she is hellbent in high water about going. And she actually makes contact with Morgan over the her radio that she has. But while she's doing this, Josiah, Emile's bounty hunting brother, tracks her down and basically says, okay, you're looking for your brother. Okay. I'll, I'll find him for you. But in return, you lead me to Morgan Jones. Hmm. And at this point, she is going, okay. She really doesn't want to do this. Like, you can see the pain in her voice when she's talking about this. Yeah. She does not want to go anywhere near Josiah and help betray Morgan because Morgan has always been very loyal and really just been the leader of the group. Like, and they all have that great, you know, loyalty to him. Yeah. You know, much like you see with Rick and Daryl, that group usually falls, you know, to what he says and doesn't really question everything. It's, it's almost a family vibe <laughs> to bring it back. But as we see, I mean, obviously, Emil and uh, Josiah, who's played again by Demetrius Gross, uh, is just committed about finding Morgan and is willing to take this crazy task on to find Wendell. And even to the point where they wind up tracking down the broken wheelchair uh, in, like, this barn that has been housing walkers. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's this weird, like, place. But this is one thing that I really love about Fear. They really push the envelope about, like, how crazy can we make a place with zombies? Like, we've seen taxidermist zombies. We've seen, you know, uh, I mean, with the, like, the doomsday cult mm-hmm. and what they were doing with zombies and worship. Like, it's just that kind of wild-ass thing that's been going on. But as we see, they have been going and really just, like, having this group that's been collecting them. Like, I think the online way they've been describing this group is the stalkers. Mm. Like, I always think they're Morgan's Rangers, but they're or not Morgan's, uh, Strand's Rangers, but they're not. But this group that's been following them has apparently just been, like, scouring and just collecting everything going on. And during this time when they're picked up by one of them, they see the broken wheelchair. Right. And at this point, too, Sarah, like, she loses it because obviously when you see the broken wheelchair and when the zombie st- um, stalls there. Yeah. Like, what are you going to react? You're going to go absolutely crazy. Yeah, I would say so. So when she does this, they wind up making a crazy escape because the one stalker that was grabbing them. Yeah. Uh, she tried killing. 
Hey. And well, obviously, and he winds up escaping. She jumps in the car that they were in and basically tries running Josiah over to get him out of the car because she's like, I'm, I'm not going to betray him. Like, you know, I'm still not giving up hope, whatever this happens. And they wind up having this car crash off her an embankment. In typical TV show fashion, though, does anybody get hurt? No. No, no they wind up walking away from it which is a little crazy in its own right. Mm-hmm. And then you see Josiah is still fighting off these zombies, even though like he's banged up. Because, I mean, that's how he kind of came into possession of the car that he was with with Sarah, because he's basically fighting his way through and just is like almost on this Terminator level. Right. And then they wind up having, you know, exchange of stories about their backgrounds. And, you know, you kind of get very sympathetic for Josiah and like why he's doing what he's doing. And this is kind of a very cool moment, too, because it humanizes a Terminator. Yeah. You know, like I say, and this is one thing that I struggle with in Eternals, to take it back to the first segment, Yeah, is just that connection you have. Josiah just lets his guard down, and you understand, like, why he's doing what he's doing. And he's just always been very loyal to his brother. And he explains, like, you know, I was never a bounty hunter, but in my past life, this is what I, you know, I was doing. And it's kind of a wild thing to see. Mm Mm-hmm. And he, I mean, he just, he's like, the only thing I have loyal to me is my dog, Mm. which he has with him too during this whole point too, which is kind of cool. But as they're going through, they're fighting their way to get out of this zombie herd that's attacking the wreckage. Yeah. Morgan tracks them down. And when they start fighting, the dog is, uh, I believe, scratched or bitten by a zombie. Uh Uh-oh. So... But he's also helping Josiah, who's getting attacked. So, I mean, he goes out on his shield. And, unfortunately, they have to, you know, put Rufus down. And you see about how Josiah just breaks. And it's just, like, it's almost like, what have I been doing this entire time? Yeah. Because when he has that moment of, like, I've now lost everything. Yeah. It's been just a weird, just, like, you know, coming of, like, sanity moment for him. Sure. So he is now, like... Okay, everything I've done now, I need. I, I've now seen my error, my ways. Like this is just—it's a very good scene. I don't mm-hmm. want to say it's, it's powerful, but you just kind of see him flip a little bit. And obviously, there's one point too that I, I didn't get into. Sarah actually has to go kill the zombie head of his brother. Hey, but what did we always say about the zombie apocalypse? Stuff that isn't really rational just kind of happens, and we roll with it. Pretty much, yeah. That's what happens here. So, just kind of same. But we now go with this group of three, Morgan, Josiah, and Sarah, to Strand's place of business because basically we are getting told from what they've done these past episodes, all roads lead to Strand. And sure enough, they get to the outskirts of his compound, this this kingpin-esque tower that he's living in. Mm Mm-hmm. And when they try making contact, guards pull up on him and Strand comes down and he's just like, well, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. And he doesn't really go like I, I was expecting the big fight with him and Morgan. Like, I know it's coming. And they tease it, but they've, oh, yeah. had, but they've had these interactions now. It's like it, it's almost like in pro wrestling. I expect the physicality by now. Yeah. Like the time for talking is done. Like now you got to go get off the pot. Yeah. And they're still dancing around that, which I don't like. But once we get to the standoff here, Strand is like, okay, what are you doing here? Sarah's like, I'm looking for my brother. 
And Strand kind of goes, well, he's here. In that kind of voice. Mm. So, Pad, after hearing that, do you think he's there or not? Uh, I don't know. It's hard to say. I would say probably. See, that's the thing. He leaves it on that kind of weird tone. That mm. I just don't know if he's if he's messing with him or what he's doing. Yeah, like it's it's crazy about how he plays this. But that's why I say Coleman Domingo does this role of Strand with such over the top charisma that it just it sells it. And you're just kind of like, oh, I hate you, but man, you're really good in this role. So like, I I can't be mad at the character. Like you know, like I say, he acts him just phenomenally. But basically, after he says, "Yeah, your brother's here," but you're not seeing him. Mm-hmm. We now have this weird standoff where Sarah is like, well, I want to see him. And Strand goes, well, you're not going to get in, but I'll tell him you were here, and then he'll come looking for you. And she ultimately makes the deal of saying, as long as he's safe, that's fine. As long as he's in a good place, and this appears to be a good place, I'll walk away. It's this real like standoff tensious moment that it's like, how the heck are you doing this? And, you know, just toying with everybody's emotions. But that's what Strand does. And that's what he's doing because he's just basically like, you're not going to get in. But if I tell your brother, he'll come looking for you. But, you know, you're going to be gone because I'm going to force you off this property. And then you guys will just be lost in, in the the world by yourselves. Like, it's just this really slimy move he does. But, yeah. But he has his agenda. He is against Morgan in any which way, shape, or form. And they basically walk away. This was just a trip for nothing. But at least she has peace of mind, which helps her. So during this point, too, Sarah is going to go back with Morgan because – under the eyes of Strand, Morgan is falling apart, but he's actually doing okay at the submarine because they found that hidden supply of food. So, so it'll take him for some months. They do invite Josiah to stay with him, but he turns it down for now. But he, I fully expect to see him come back at some point. And then we get the end shot that, well, you know what? There was a warhead that didn't go off, mm-hmm. but we find it's cracked. Uh oh. And that crazy group that's been keeping walkers in that uh, stall? Yeah, they're in possession of it. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Fade to black. So, overall, like I said, good episode. Was it everything I wanted to see? No. I mean, the, the humanization of Josiah was a good twist, but I was expecting to see some knockdown drag out fighting here. I thought, with obviously, Morgan has been on edge since strand is now ascended to this weird place of running his own group. The tension has been building and I thought that they did a good job about explaining that, but I was expecting a little more of it. And then the standoff at the end just kind of felt a little lackluster that, I mean, Sarah was definitely trying to establish, you know, the pain that was in this decision. And I thought Mo Collins did a great job with it. I just thought that I was expecting a little bit more from it. Does that make sense? Yeah. But still, it's not a bad episode to go check out. Um, and definitely the season has been on point and it's, it's crazy. But like I say, when you start talking about a zombie apocalypse with nuclear weapons, that just sounds crazy. And that's why it's worth checking out. Cause it's something a little different. So let me know what you thought about it. ODPH society. Hit me up on the hashtag hashtag ODPH pod. Are you watching fear the walking dead? And if so, let me know what you thought about episode four entitled breathe with me. I definitely want to have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains Cause I wanna go Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, I'm going to get my one shots out of the way first because Pat is going to go off on his. Uh. The anger that just happened, man, I was lucky we don't have this on Twitch. Holy shit. I got to get refocused. So let me uh, just go through mine very quickly. Hey, shout out to our team over at Funimation. Yeah. My Hero Academia World's Mission has officially passed 10 million at the North American box office. Hey, good for them. So absolutely. Uh, so this is coming off the My Hero Academia official Twitter. So congratulations. If you haven't gone seen World's Hero Mission, definitely go check that out. We saw it over, uh, Rich and I, from 3FN. Definitely is worthwhile checking out the the show I'm getting into. So I'm definitely catching up on season. So it's fun. It's great. This definitely lived up to the hype. Uh, also, coming out or returning, rather, to the small screen. See, I can focus because when Pad was going off, man, wow. This past Sunday, Dexter Newblood returned to Showtime. So now this is picking up where the saga of everybody's favorite serial killer uh, left off after 10 years. Yeah. So we're now back. He's in uh, Iron Lake, New York, under a different name. He's working in a local uh, gun shop, and he's now slowly getting brought, drawn back into his dark passenger days when uh, he was killing serial killers and evil people in Miami until, obviously, he uh, the show just went completely off the rails that last season. I don't want to get into it. But as for the return... Uh, I will say this. It was a very solid return. They did a lot of different things that I was not expecting. Like he has a new voice over his shoulder who uh, I guess minor spoiler alert is his dead sister, Deborah, played by Jennifer Carpenter. So Michael C. Hall is reprising his role as Dexter Morgan. And basically, if you're a fan of the old Dexter pre uh, Trinity killer seasons, uh, this is going to be up your alley so far. It definitely came back very strong. And where he's going to be going on from here is going to be a real interesting watch. So I definitely want to deep dive into that a little bit more. And comic picks for the week. My, or, oh, I was going to say My Hero Academia because I'm still happy about that. Mighty Morphin 13 is hitting the shelves. So if you are a fan of that book series by Boom Studios, and I hope you are because they've been putting out some solid content, the Altarian War is kicking off with episode or issue 13. So you definitely want to get to your local comic shops and pick that up. And if you're on Comixology Unlimited, Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo, we have Demons number two just hit the service. So definitely go pick that up. I'm now turning the mic over to the one and only Padawan J. Three words, lost in space, hit him with it. Well, so before we get to that, we do have a premiere on Netflix coming this Friday that is Red Notice, of course, starring Ryan Reynolds, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and Gal Gadot. Uh, this is the highly anticipated film from the, uh, those folks. Um, uh, runtime, according to IMDb, is an hour and 58 minutes, so I'll definitely be checking that out at some point. Yes. But, but we also got a trailer today uh, from the folks over at Netflix uh, for Lost in Space Season 3, which drops on December 19th. Uh, God fucking damn it, those goddamn assholes motherfucker uh the reason i'm so angry is that in the trailer uh which i won't spoil too much of because hey you should go watch it you should go watch the show uh we find we get some more hints and some more stuff going uh with what's going on given the cliffhanger with last season which again i don't want to spoil because hey you should go watch it yourself 
but there is a certain moment uh, where a certain big bad villain or royal pain in my ass in this show who appeared to be dead at the end of this trailer is not dead and motherfucker. I would listen. I hate this character so much. She's up there with uh, Dolores Umbridge from Harry Potter for me in terms of hate. I hate her that much. Uh, the cast is, is she's played fantastically by Parker Posey. You know, Parker Posey who plays Dr. Smith is just plays the part phenomenal. She plays a great evil villain. Uh, the cast is incredible. You've got Marley, uh, Molly Parker as Maureen Robinson. Toby Stevens as John Robinson. Maxwell Jenkins as Will Robinson. Taylor Russell as Judy Robinson. Mina uh, Sunwal as Penny Robinson. Brian Steele as the robot. You've also got uh, Ignacio Sericchio uh, as Don West. Uh, you know, it's just a, such a great cast, and it's going to be a great final season. But, motherfucker, if that villain does not die by the end of the friggin' show, I'm going to be very pissed off. Pad's reaction was epic. I can't put it mildly. Like it, he was fired up when he saw the ending shot of that person returning. Yeah, because uh, John Robinson, you know, Papa Robinson goes, "You're a lot of things, and one of them is supposed to be dead, and she's not, motherfucker." Because there's he's not hallucinating. This isn't a dream sequence. It's a room full of people, so she's actually there. God, motherfucker. Pat yeah. at Meslin on Twitter. Let him know. Uh, sticking with some Netflix news, uh, it was announced that uh, coming in 2023 will be a live action uh, series uh, based on Yu Yu Hakusho. Okay. Yeah, so uh, Yu Yu Hakusho is, of course, the manga uh, by Yoshihiro uh, Togaha- Togashi, uh, and the anime series uh, was created by Studio uh, Pero. Uh, it follows a young kid named Yusuke Urameshi, who dies when he gets hit by a car trying to save a child. As a delinquent, this sudden act of kindness grants him a chance at revival. After passing a few tests in the afterlife, Yusuke then uh, becomes a spirit detective, investigating paranormal activities back on Earth. Uh, this is one that I, you know, I'm not super familiar with. I've seen some episodes, but it's been so long that I'm really kind of like cloudy on the on the finer details of it mm. but i do remember watching this on toonami when i was in my teenage years you know coming home from school you know so i'm definitely excited to see this i remember enjoying the hell out of it you know just it's one of those things that like it went out they don't finished airing it and then you know i haven't really gone out out of my way to watch it again but i'm excited to check this out netflix doing a lot of anime stuff these days yeah the one piece too uh, i believe yeah. the live action got released yep. a little bit the yep. teasers of the cast and such yeah so they're doing a lot of big things over there, the Netflix. And yeah. obviously, we're almost at Bebop time, too. Yeah, we are. Uh, and, of course, sticking with Netflix and anime, uh, we got a first look at their uh, live-action Gundam movie because, uh, holy shit, they're doing a live-action Gundam movie. Yeah, that was uh, crazy. Did not realize it. Uh, it looks like it's a bit of concept art, but it features the classic Gundam, uh, the RX-78-2, if you're a big Gundam fan. Shrouded in, It's shrouded in flames. You know, Gundam, of course, was first designed by uh, Kunio Okawara uh, in the classic 1979 anime. Uh, not too much not known, uh, known about the movie. It was first announced back in 2018. Uh, it is currently untitled and it's being directed by Jordan Voigt Roberts, uh, who pr- uh, previously directed Kong Skull Island. Brian K. Vaughn uh, is writing the adaptation. He's best known for uh, his work on Why the Last Man comics. Mm. Uh, don't really know much about it. Like I mentioned, uh, the only thing we know is that it will be, quote, an access point for the famously tangled Gundam mythos. Uh, Voight Roberts said, quote, my goal is for all the, the people who might say, I don't know where to start with Gundam. Hi, I'm one. Yeah. Uh, I want to create this film and give them an access point where you can say, this is where you start. This is your entry point. 
where Gundam fans say, yeah, this is my Gundam. I've always been kind of like a, not a huge fan of Gundam, but I've been a fan of some of the adaptations over the years. I remember Gundam Wing, you know, first aired, was the first one I remember watching on Toonami when that first aired. You know, then they aired the classic series, and Mobile Fighter G Gundam is one of my favorite anime series of all time. You know, so it's, it's a lot of fun, and I'm excited to see what they do with this. Live-action Gundam should, listen, it's giant robots fighting. Like, what can go wrong? Yeah, exactly. No, give it to me. I'm down for it. Yeah. Uh, switching over to some movie news, it was announced just today as we actually re-record. Uh, we got a bit of a uh, schedule release switch up over at Paramount. Uh, Transformers Rise of the Beasts uh, will no longer release on June 24th, 2022. It has been moved uh, back a full year to June 9th of 2023. Also, the new Star Trek movie that's been in development won't launch on June 9th, 2023. That has been pushed back about six months or so to December 22nd, 2023. Who knows why, but just hey, some scheduling news. A right. little bumming for me because Transformers Rise of the Beasts is the Beast Wars Transformers movie where some of the Beast Wars characters will be showing off. But hey, if that gives them more time to make the movie as incredible as they can, I'm all for it. They're going to need to do something for that, I feel. So, yeah. I mean, the more time they want to take, you know, getting the CGI right, I, I'm okay with that yeah. as well. Uh, switch uh, sticking to some movie news. Henry Cavill is apparently not ready to put down the cape yet, uh, just yet, uh, regarding Superman. Uh, he did an interview with Hollywood Reporter and said, quote, there's still a lot of storytelling for me to do as Superman, and I would absolutely love the opportunity. Uh, you know, of course, you know, uh, you know, the, the interview did bring up the moment where he killed Zod at the end of Man of Steel, last remember man, remaining member of the species, at least that we know of at this point with those movies, mm-hmm. you know, because obviously if you know the mythos, there's more than just him out there. Uh, you know, and Cavill says he uh, said he wants to more chances to explore Superman's growth after that decision. He said, quote, uh, that's the choice he made in that moment, and he'll never do it again, Cavill said. There's an opportunity for growth after that to explore the psyche of Superman as a deep, seemingly invulnerable, godlike being, but with real feeling on the inside. As I always say, the cape is still in the closet. You probably saw Eternals got fired up at Icarus for stealing his gig and said, I'm coming back, bitches. Uh, that would be the only thing I could say. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen too much Titans lately, so this, bear with me. This is true. But yeah, but you know what? I, if he wants to come back, let's let's do it. Sure. You know, so I'm okay with that. Uh, then sticking with some more movie news, there's one former Spider-Man actor who's bummed he's not in No Way Home. Uh, this would be Nicholas Hammond, who uh, played Spider-Man in the 1970s TV series, uh, and he had confirmed to the Hollywood Reporter that he is not reprising his role in the upcoming uh, movie. Hmm. He said, quote, I think it would have been, uh, been huge fun. It would have been a, a kick in the pants to have the old guy there. Uh, I was really hoping I would be approached, but unfortunately that did not happen. Uh, he did note he's enjoyed watching all three actors who have played Spider-Man on the big screen, though he says the performances of Tobey Maguire, uh, Andrew, uh, he says when considering the performances of Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and Tom Holland, he finds himself drawn to one iteration in particular. Uh, and But he does see some similarities uh, between all three, uh, between some, you know, uh, his version. Uh, he says, quote, Tom Holland's version is the closest to what we were doing trying to make him very much a real guy, someone who, who you could actually forget he had these powers and get caught up in Peter's story. Uh, that's what we were going for, close quote. Uh, so, hey, a little bit of fun if you remember the Spider-Man TV series from back in the 70s. Yeah, I got to say, that's a little fun there. So, yeah. you know, I'm surprised they didn't include him. I mean, they include everybody else in there. Jeez. Yeah. So it's, you know, why not? Why, why, why? What about a fun little cameo? Yeah. Uh, also, uh, some movie news. We might have had a bearing of the hatchet, folks. Of course, we all, uh, most of us, famously remember the spat 
publicly between Vin Diesel and Dwayne Johnson over the Fast and Furious. Vin was trying to give some tough loving and coach him up, and Dwayne said, LOL, not really. Yeah. Uh, Vin Diesel took to Instagram uh, over the uh, last couple days. I forget when it was, last two, three days ago, uh, posting a photo of him and uh, Dwayne Johnson during one of their movies together on Fast and said, quote, my little brother Dwayne, the, the time has come. The world awaits the finale of Fast 10. As you know, my children refer to you as Uncle Dwayne in my house. There is not a holiday that goes by that they and you don't send well wishes. But the time has come. Legacy awaits. I told you years ago that I was going to fulfill my promise to Pablo. I swore that we would reach and manifest the best Fast in the finale that is 10. Uh, I say this out of love, but you must show up. Do not leave the franchise idle. You have a very important role to play. Hobbs can't be played by no other. I hope that you rise to the occasion and fulfill your destiny. Close quote. Holy shit. Wow. That's stunning. Did not see this coming. Definitely didn't see that coming. Uh, What happens from here? Listen, this ultimately falls on The Rock. And I think he's kind of in this weird place where where do if you say no. Mm Mm-hmm. It's gonna he's gonna look it's gonna be a bad look for him. It's gonna look like kind of a dick. Yeah, he's gonna look absolutely awful. Vin Diesel is trying to mend the fences, do it right. But if he comes back, listen, this franchise is gonna make money in spite of itself. Like it's gonna be the biggest movie of the year whenever it drops. Uh-huh. I, I've accepted this. The fact they're gonna fight the Eternals is gonna be even a better plot story. So I think he does come back. I think money solves a lot of the woes. I think you're going to hear about how everything has been mended on that set. They're going to be just lovey-dovey with everybody. So uh, shocked to see it's it's out, but it's also a smart move by Vin Diesel. If he's going to really close this franchise down, do it the right way, get everybody back. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I, th- I think it'll happen, you know, although we I should note, Dwayne has not responded on social media yet, uh, his Twitter or his Instagram, from what I can tell. Uh, his Instagram, he's been in, like, full-blown bl- full press mode for Red Notice, which mm-hmm. obviously comes out this Friday, which I understand. I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't respond publicly. It's uh, It'll be a phone call between the two of them. Yeah. And they kind of hash things out. I expect to see an Instagram post. Maybe. Uh, Switching over to some video game news. uh, And this is really awesome. And if you haven't played this, I definitely recommend you check it out because it's a lot of fun. Uh, There was a recent release from the folks over at Gearbox Studios and 2K Games. Although it's not a full-blown new game, it's a little bit of a new game. And it's only going to cost you $9.99. You can pick this up on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, PC, as well as the PS5 and Xbox Series X slash s and this is tiny tina's assault on dragon keep this is one of the dlcs for borderlands 2 and it's one of the best expansions they ever did in this franchise okay it's essentially a full-blown dungeons and dragons uh campaign where tiny tina and some of the characters are playing dungeons and dragons but you're one of the characters and they're you know going through and telling the story of what's going on uh you know it, the game is called Bunkers and Badasses instead of Dungeons and Dragons because hey, it's co- it's copyrighted, so it's called Bunker. The game's called Bunkers <laughs> Bunkers and Badasses. That's funny. And it's essentially the spawn for the uh, Tiny Tina's new video game coming out. Uh, you know, the PlayStation Five. Uh, or yeah, it's called Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, and it, that's essentially where the origin of that game came from. Is this DLC spinoff? I've played it myself. 
it's fucking phenomenal. Like, it, like I said, it's only ten bucks, you know. So, and it's on PlayStation Four, Xbox One, PC, PS Five, and Xbox Series X slash S. So you should definitely check it out. It's a ton of fun. Yeah, it definitely sounds it. Yeah, uh, and then also some uh, some video game news. Uh, rumors are currently circulating that the Hogwarts Legacy video game will be uh, released after the next Fantastic Beasts movie. Ooh. So this is the kind of like you get to experience Hogwarts, and and it's like an RPG set in the world of Harry Potter, where you create a character. You you go through Hogwarts, go through the classes and everything else. Uh, so the information comes to us uh, via our, our Reddit user, Seer Pumpkin. Uh, he shared a Toy World magazine interview uh, in which Warner Brothers general manager, uh, Rachel Wakely, gave a little bit of hints that the release window for Hogwarts Legacy uh, would come after the next Fantastic Beasts movie. But she didn't give her an exact release date. Mm. Uh, the release date for Hog- uh, the next Fantastic Beast movie is currently scheduled to be April 15th of 2022. Okay. Uh, so, you know, she said, uh, quote, the second major release of 22 uh, will be for a new console game, Hogwarts Legacy. The reaction to the trailer has been amazing, and it looks set to be a huge success. We know that gaming is such an important part of the market and one that we had to be involved in. From what we've seen, the launch will be well worth the wait and will deliver a unique way for fans to interact with the franchise. I cannot wait for this game because it is something that for years, arguably 20 years since Mm -hmm. the the first movie, 20 plus years since I read the books, you know, in 1990, and I started reading the books in 1999. I have wanted something like this for the longest time. That, like, don't get me wrong, I love all of the video games that, that were based off of the movies. Mm. Some more so than others, but they're all enjoyable in their own right. I love the Lego video games because it's Legos, but telling the Harry Potter story and they don't talk. It's, so it's funny. But I've always wanted that experience of creating a character, going to the school, going to the classes, learning the spells, and all, and just the whole not have my own experience that wasn't what happened in the books or movies. And I'm finally going to get this, it appears, with this video game, and I'm super excited for this. Yeah, you got to be fired up about that. So excited. I I cannot wait for this to come out. I just got to get a PS5 first, and God damn it, that's so hard. I'm working on one for you. I don't know if I'm going to pull it off, but I'm I'm, I'm keeping my ears out. We'll see. Uh, And then sticking with some Harry Potter news that I went, no, no, (laughs) fuck no. I thought this was going to be the big rant of the day Uh, until you saw that Lost in Space one. So... Chris Columbus, uh, who famously directed the first two Harry Potter films, that being uh, Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets, uh, did an interview with Variety, and he said he would love to work on a movie adaptation of The Cursed Child, which is, of course, the play that uh, takes place 19 years after the final book of the series. Uh, He said, quote, I would love to direct The Cursed Child. It's a great play, and the kids are actually the right age to play those roles. It's a small fantasy of mine, close quote. Uh, So, of course, the kids he's referring to are Daniel Radcliffe, uh, Emma Watson and Rupert Grint, who played Harry, Hermione, and Ron mm. in the movies, they're all in their early 30s, and they are actually, in terms of, like, you know, so they're 16, 17 years old at the end of, you know, the characters are 16, 17 years old at the end of uh, Deathly Hollows. so fast forward 19 years, they are actually about at the right age for what they would be, you know, in this movie. That being said, I don't want this to be made. Yeah, I, I'm I, on that. I understand that the play's a hit on Broadway and the play is good. The story is fucking awful. The story, uh, for a lot of fans, is not considered canon, and we don't talk about it. Uh, I'll go ahead and spoil it. Voldemort banged one of his followers and had a kid. Hey. That kid ended up going to Hogwarts, uh, befriends one of Harry's kids, shenanigans ensue, and time travel. 
You know, I understand the play is good and the play visually is awesome. The story is fucking awful and I don't want to see it. I just, no, please, no. Christopher Columbus is a fine director, but he's more kids oriented. So his adaptations, you know, for the first two books, which are very kid friendly, there's a little, it's a little bit, oh, scary for kids moments, but it's nothing too dark. Mm -hmm. I don't think he'd be able to pull it off for, for, you know, kind of the material it goes into. I just don't think it's in his wheelhouse. You know, but ugh, I, I just don't want it to happen. Please, for the love of God, no. Yeah, I'm not here for that. I have no interest in seeing that project get made or even go and watch it, so I'm out. Yeah, no, just hard no. Yeah, that's definitely not. Yep. So that being said, the music you heard on this edition of the ODPH is that a shout at the robots. They're fantastic people. I can't scream enough about them. That's why we have Fail Better Friday every Friday on our Instagram. Pad, where do I go to find out about shout? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on you. Swing on over to the music section. Check out everything going on with them. You check out everything going on with Brian Wolf. Everything going on with Second Suitor, Tom Jolu, Yard Party, Floodlands, all the amazing bands you hear on the ODPH Podcast Network. You can also check out The Classifieds, which has friends of the show, organizational links support Black Lives Matter, all the amazing pod groups we're in via the Pod Chaser pages, because I say it once, I say it a thousand times, I say it till I'm blue in the face. If you're on a pod group and your group is not on Pod Chaser, are you really in a group? And we have to also shout out the Apocalypse. Finally, over 100 likes on Podchaser. Hey. Second biggest group on there. Maybe we'll go get the chip. I don't know. I don't know. Shout out three hours later. Pod Nation, everybody there too. You know, but there's so many pod groups that we were in, and definitely want to just shout everybody out there too, because without them, we don't get a lot of the support that has helped the show grow in the four plus years that we've been doing this. So definitely shout out to the Inner Circle. Shout out to the Apocalypse, as we previously mentioned. And of course, shout out to 607 Podcast and our fam over at 8122 Productions, which has a lot to say about the Eternals. So if you want that hot take, go hear what Diesel has to say. Listener the- discretion is advised. Oh, yes, it is. But if you want that real talk, $1 gets you in the door, $3 gets you to come and see at the table, and that is patreon.com slash 8122productions. All of that, the directory, which we have the ODPH links for your favorite podcast player right there. The T Public Store, sale going on. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Do you have your ODPH swag? That's the question for you. Get it for less. Why would you pay more? I don't know. I don't know. All that and so much more. ODPHpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one only Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time.